1: Live from the 6th and Peabody Studio and across the Outkick Network, this is Outkick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski.
2: Bobby Carpenter will join us in 20 minutes. Outkick 360 just like that. The final hour is here on this Wednesday edition. We're going to discuss uh, some college football with Bobby and in just a moment with Chad. Uh, NFL Injury reports you need to know about. J.K. Dobbins, full participant in practice today with the Baltimore Ravens. He is on track to play this weekend against the Miami Dolphins. That is uh, certainly great news for their offense. And they threw it a ton last week. Baltimore did, in part because I think they trust the passing game right now more than they do the run game with the Baltimore offense, which is saying something. There are five of the seven wide receivers on the active roster for Tampa Bay who are on the injury report to begin the week. Five of their seven active receivers. That's another to one do. to watch. And Broncos, they've placed safety Justin Simmons on injured reserve. So he's out at least four weeks, maybe a, a bit more than that. But they they lose one of the top defenders on their roster. A couple of other notes. Marlon Mack is signing with the 49ers, and or without Elijah Mitchell. Yeah, Elijah Mitchell's on injured reserve, and Rodrigo Blankenship went unclaimed, Colts kicker. So now he's free to go and try out anywhere. That will likely th- that news will surface next Tuesday about where his visits will be taking place.
1: Alan Lazard also back in action for the Packers.
2: And we, we should mention Keenan Allen for tomorrow night on Thursday Night Football ruled out for those just joining us. Uh, we mentioned these random injuries because today's, for the most part today, unless you're playing Thursday, is the, is the first injury report. It affects your fantasy football teams. It affects how you're watching the league and who you think may or may not win or win by certain amount. Uh, keep in mind, it, it changes daily, but the, the ones where you're completely not practicing, Chances are they're not playing this weekend. Here are the, uh, the Bucks injury reports. So Brady's there. He just had a, a day off today. Uh, Fournette's battling a, a hamstring injury, but he was limited. We don't know how much. Here, is, here are their wide receivers. Russell Gage and Chris Godwin with hamstring. Funny how that works out, Paul. Guy, Godwin's coming off an ACL, and typically a guy coming back from ACL at a skill position pops a hammy early on. Julio Jones is on the injury report with a knee issue. He did not practice. Brashad Perriman also with a knee problem. And then they have Donovan Smith and Tristan Wirfs still battling injuries on their offensive line. But they're 1-0. They're 1-0. They traveled to New Orleans this weekend to play the Saints.
1: To play a team that's uh, had their number.
2: Chad, um, outkick.com is where you can find the column uh, where – Withrow wrote about Nebraska and the job. They are now trying to fill that Scott Frost has been fired and paid handsomely to, to leave early. Um, your overall thoughts of what Nebraska is, is up against right now and who they're seeking.
0: I think Nebraska is at the point of an existential crisis right now uh, with who they are as a program. And th- there is a lot of despair, and I get it. I mean, Scott Frost was the hot name. He was a national coach of the year. Everyone wanted him. He was interviewing at Florida and other places. You were able to get him to come back home after an undefeated season at Central Florida. So there's a lot of thinking about, okay, if not Frost, then who Mm -hmm. could possibly lead this program back to any level of prominence? And I understand some of that, but here's what Nebraska fans and everyone needs to understand. You don't play in the Big Ten East. You play in the Big Ten West. Let's start there. Let's start with competition. Iowa has a water pistol offense in a machine gun world. Wisconsin just lost to Washington State at home. Very beatable. Minnesota is coached by a used car salesman and P.J. Fleck. Don't think that's going to last for long. It's a winnable division still. They're not going to win it this year, and they have drastically underperformed in that division. But you're not going up against Ohio State Penn State, Michigan, Michigan State within your division. So it's a winnable division for Nebraska. You've got a great fan base. You've got 380 some odd straight home sellouts. It's gone on for years and years. Uh, You've got a brand new hundred and some million dollar uh, facility coming in for football also. Facilities are good. Fan base is good. You're not in that ideal spot for talent around you. But there are other places who have done well, bringing in talent that way. And again, you don't have to bring in the absolute best talent in college football to be relevant within the Big Ten West. Let's also give a quick review of the program. Go ahead, Hunter. Let me jump in. Yep. What, what happens
2: when the Bruins and Trojans join to that scenario?
0: Well, it, I, I'll, we'll have to see what the – if they go into quads, you know, if they have like a West and they're in there with, with USC and UCLA, that's going to be a problem. With USC, suddenly it's definitely USC should be the one. But Nebraska should be a better program than UCLA. I mean, you're still looking at second you know, probably annually for for Nebraska. Now, here's something that – and I obviously know a lot of Nebraska fans. Nebraska fans get too caught up, and I think every fan base falls into this trap at times. We want someone that sounds like the greatest coach we've ever had. They're all searching for Tom Osborne. Tom Osborne is not coming around anytime soon for for this program. They want a soft-spoken, humble, Midwestern person that's not brash, that's going to come in and teach fundamentals and win. Here's what you're not acknowledging about Tom Osborne. Those teams were ruthless. Ruthless. He may speak in a quiet tone, but those teams were anything but. Get back to that. Get back to being more efficient, having discipline within your program, recruiting players in state. I keep hearing from people there's no talent in the state of Nebraska. Go around Omaha and Lincoln, and I'll show you a ton of offensive and defensive linemen. You can build the lines around in state guys. Now, to get speed, to get talent on the outside, you're going to have to go out of state. That's what Tom Osborne did. You can do that in Texas, you can do that occasionally in Florida and California. There are ways to do that at Nebraska and get the job done. Since Tom Osborne, they fired Frank Solich, who's a really good coach and went on to be a very good coach to Ohio, one of their own. Fired him because he did not live up to the image and success of Tom Osborne. They fired Bo Pelini, who had something like a 731 winning percentage at Nebraska. They fired him after a 9-4 year. Maybe 9-3 at that point, after a loss to Iowa. They're looking for a reason. You know why? Because he cussed a lot. I mean, seriously, that's it. He He wasn't Tom Osborne. The guy spit on the sideline. You could see him dropping F-bombs when you read his lips on the sideline. He had a very unfortunate incident where a recording talking with a Nebraska play-by-play guy was released years later when he started to lose to get him in trouble, where he basically said bleep Nebraska fans. They're fair weather fans, some of them. And he had to apologize for that. But outside of that, I mean, why are we firing the guy? Because he cusses? But this is my point. Nebraska fans have to get out of their own heads of living in the past and living in past decades. Embrace the fact that you have one of the greatest traditions in college football. Absolutely. Don't run away from that. Embrace that you have a top 10 fan base in all of college football. Embrace that money's never going to be an issue within that program. They showed that by giving Scott Frost a $7.5 million gift because he played for Tom Osborne back in the day, even though he was an epic failure. Embrace (laughs) these things that you have now in the present. So generous. (laughs) And then move forward. Very generous of them. But you can move forward knowing what you have now without worrying about trying to get back to the past because it's not all bad there. You can make winning happen right now where they are in the conference.
1: I, I think you're, you're dead on there. I, th- I think um, yesterday when we talked to Barrett, uh, you know I, I thought his point was good too. You have to, you have to think, you know, are you good enough for the candidate, not is the candidate good enough for you? And that, that relates to this self-awareness that I think we all know they need to have, but I think we probably all know they're not going to have.
0: Well, so uh, he said Troy Calhoun was his pick uh, at Air Force. I, I don't hate that. I mean, Troy Calhoun's a good coach. He would come in and, and run a disciplined program. You would bring back the option. Uh, I think Jeff Munkin at Army is going to be would be a good coach too. I'm not saying that you you know there are things you could do at Nebraska in bringing back the option that would be very effective. They would suddenly be the top triple option option for every high school player in America well, if you did that. But you don't have to do that. Yeah, just bring in a good football coach, <clears throat> Lance Leipold. At Kansas, dude won at... First off, he was an assistant at Nebraska. He's from the area in 01 to 03. Coach at Nebraska-Omaha, won. Coach at Wisconsin-Whitewater, won six national titles in Division three. Got Buffalo to a top 25 ranking. He's winning at Kansas. They beat Texas a year ago. They just beat West Virginia. He would be a great option, and he runs a very good program. He doesn't run the triple option. He runs a unique offense, but point being... I don't think Nebraska's ever going to be Tom Osborne's Nebraska again. But you gotta get to something better than this. You gotta get to something that's better than fifteen and thirty one for your favorite son head coach over four years and change. And it's very doable at that program. And I think a lot of people are missing the point on that. They need their Sam Pittman. Yep. It's a great I, point. They don't need a
2: uh, against the grain, top name. We're going to pay a bunch of money. They need. You've got to have your Sam Pittman that establishes the brand, but is also willing to go. If you look at Arkansas's roster, yes, they've got they've got certain talent that buy in in the trenches and they fit like the the Arkansas brand. But you've also got this um, the, the transfer portal and everything else that they've leaned into, NIL and other things. Can Nebraska do that? Can they say, you know what? We're instead of having the uh, the homegrown talent, can we do the rent a player and get better fast? Are they willing to to do that? Because I think that's – they did that this offseason. I think under that's Frost. You, they you brought in a lot of transfers. You've really got to lean into that because uh, I think that's how you can you can catch up, not with the top and cream of the crop of the conference, the right, guys, but you become like where. Uh, uh, Stoops is a bad example now at Kentucky because he's been there a decade. But you, you become where Kentucky was five years ago, where you're, every so often you're scratching and clawing for third in the East,
0: right? Like that's, that's well, that's that's ju- that's goal number one. It's also another good example. Find your Mark Stoops. Yeah, you know, I mean, that that could be a coordinator somewhere right now. But a guy who's going to be a program, not just builder but sustainer, that's going to get there and not want to leave, and and and. Again, money's clearly not an option. They, I, I and, agree. I, and I wrote about this at Outkick.com, but they basically just put out a bat signal to every coach to go and try to get a raise from their current job because they paid seven point five million dollars extra nineteen days early before they could get away with that with Scott Frost. That's signaling everyone, hey, they're gonna pay top dollar. So someone's gonna get a big raise, either from their current school or from Nebraska.
1: It hasn't it hasn't come up in this round. Of, of discussion, but it came up when Nebraska had its first fall that that it's not an appealing place for kids anymore. Barrett, again, mentioned it yesterday. You know, kids today don't know anything about Bama's glory days. About Nebraska's. Yeah, yeah. sorry. yeah, They know plenty about Bama's They know glory all days. about it. No, no <laughs> issues there. Don't know much about uh, uh, Nebraska's glory days. And And for a long time when that started to happen, we also said – you know, kids are going more, and it's not the case with Ohio State and 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 Michigan certainly. But sunshine is a bigger factor than it used to be, and and I think people picture Nebraska as as a gloomy place in well, the so middle is, of in the middle of nowhere. So yeah. is Michigan. Yeah, yeah, so is Michigan, but Michigan's Michigan and well, Nebraska's I mean, not well, Nebraska Mi- anymore. Michigan
2: State's not Michigan, and they're paying their coach nine and a half.
1: Yeah. I but mean, you get it, my point. There are fewer of those, yeah, and more. Look, it's, of, but we're
2: talking. But you're. But here's where I I, I I agree. But here's where it's different. They're in one of the two power conferences now. Yeah, a lot of these other schools are not, and Nebraska's ahead of them because they're they're included in whatever's they're getting about that
0: to happen. big TV check. that's
2: well, going to be heading their way. UCLA's in the, in the big, got big an 10.
1: advantage on them oh, now. Yeah. Say you know what I mean. So, but they've. But again... It's, it's you, another you, thing you're working against. UCLA
0: is such a... No, I mean, Nebraska, yes, right now is a non-factor. UCLA went out and hired Chip Kelly and he has done zilch for UCLA. They're having to almost have to cut sports before they joined yeah. the Big Ten. So now, maybe going, the influx of cash will make them relevant, but UCLA, I'm not worried about if UCLA. You're going,
2: so if you're taking a visit right now to Nebraska, sellouts, no matter who they're playing That's cool. and how they're playing, it's it, the, the atmosphere's there... If you if you're going to Hollywood or what? Okay, if you're going to the Rose Bowl to watch UCLA two weeks ago, maybe seventeen thousand people right. are
1: there. And I get that, but and and I've never been a football recruit, but I've also been to Westwood, and the life in well, Westwood is pretty damn good college life.
0: Well, but I don't think college football players are necessarily looking for that as much. But let me give you some examples of some non sexy places currently in the AP top twenty five. How about? Stillwater, Oklahoma, and Oklahoma State, that's eighth. It doesn't have any of the history of Nebraska. None of it. How about Fayetteville, Arkansas? Absolutely fair. At number 10, Sam Pittman. Right. How about East Lansing at number 11 in Michigan State? Um, How about Raleigh, North Carolina as a college town with NC State? How about Waco, Texas? Raleigh, North
1: Carolina is a way better place to be than Nebraska.
0: Baylor and Waco, Texas. Baylor has no history up into the last 20 years. Robert Griffin III put Baylor on the map, right? Yep. 17th. Wake Forest at 19th. Um, again, I just say this to say that you can point to a number of places, especially in the Big Ten, and say, boy, that's a pretty bleak, dreary locale. I'm not trying to put the big sales pitch on Lincoln, Nebraska, as a vacation destination <laughs> for anyone, but – Though you've been around, they've gotten plenty of people. <laughs> they've gotten plenty of people to go play there over the years that are from warm weather places. Yeah, so it, I say all of it. it's not just an overnight snap your finger and you're going to be great Let's, again. Let's get to pretty good first, and to get to pretty good, you got to snap out of this trance that you need to find the next Tom Osborne. It's not going to happen. They're not going to find the next Tom Osborne.
2: We discuss more of this, plus, take a look at this weekend's slate of games in the top 25. Bobby Carpenter joins us next on Outkick
1: 360. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the Fall Guy. We'll do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes.
2: Time to talk some college football. And for those on the radio network and not able to see Bobby Carpenter, I'll describe his backdrop by saying OH. I O. There's Bobby Carpenter now. There he is. Bob, you're supposed to finish that. OH. I O. There we go. He doesn't up, know how man? that works. He
1: doesn't know how that works.
2: How are you, man? Or maybe he can't hear us.
3: I'm doing all right, Mitch. No, I got you. I'm doing oh. all right. Uh, so we're taking a little bit of practice here on. Uh, Nice, lovely Wednesday in Ohio.
2: Is someone standing off to the side or something? Are we interrupting a press conference? or a No,
3: there's nothing going on. Practice is outside, so it's all good.
2: All right. Uh, Bobby's with us to, to take a, a, a glance at the upcoming schedule this weekend. But before we do that, uh, your thoughts overall of what we saw last weekend in college football with a couple of big upsets, starting with A&M falling to Appalachian State.
3: Oh, goodness. I mean, that's uh, that's a rough one right there. When you look at Jimbo Fisher and, uh, you know, everything that they've been involved with, you know, you got AM. and um, you know, my goodness, I mean, that's that's a tough one because they've spent so much money on their players, you know, coming in, they're investing in everything. They want to be great. And this was supposed to be the year that they were kind of supposed to push through a little bit, maybe challenge Alabama. And it, it just doesn't look like it's materializing. Now you look at it maybe it was a walkover game because you got Miami coming up this weekend. But part of that is you got to understand, App State almost beat North Carolina last week. So they should have been on notice for how potentially good this team could be.
0: Do you feel any differently, Bobby, about Ohio State's win over Notre Dame in pretty close fashion, given that Notre Dame went home and lost to Marshall?
3: A little bit. I mean, I don't think anyone truly believed that Notre Dame was probably the fifth best team in the country at that point. I thought they were probably a top 10, maybe top 12 team. Uh, You know, you lose your quarterback and we'll kind of see how they navigate and how they go. It's it's always tough. I would say this is a letdown game. That's what you're always kind of worried about. Uh, You play a big game at night. How do your guys respond when all of a sudden you're playing at noon or 3.30 and maybe the crowd isn't as amped? It was their home opener. I don't think anybody was looking at that Notre Dame team as if Ohio State went out and beat Alabama or Georgia in the week one opener.
0: Bobby, I really like uh, this Big Ten Pac-12 matchup between Michigan State and Washington uh, this week. A a lot of hype around Michigan State and Mel Tucker's big contract after last season. What what do you think about this road trip for the Spartans?
3: It'll be a great test. Anytime you have... College players that have to travel across the country. And that matters a lot more in college than it ultimately does in the NFL. And Michigan State's a pretty veteran squad. You know, they did obviously lose some of their stars that left. Uh, but they've done a pretty good job building this. And it's not all that different than Jimbo Fishery. Mel Tucker's got this massive contract now. And all of a sudden, you're gonna have to start delivering on that. They had a good season to start, kind of faded a little bit down the stretch. I say so. I think this will be a great test, you know, for them. They're right there on the fringe of the top twenty-five. You string or top ten you string together a couple more wins, all of a sudden you can find yourself you know, firmly in playing in that top 10. You've got Michigan sitting there at four. So when you have a showdown with them in a couple weeks, like, it's going to be really big if they can stay undefeated.
2: Bobby Carpenter with us. You can follow him on Twitter at bcarp3. This, this falls under the category of what does Vegas know that I'm not picking up on. Oregon is favored by three and a half against BYU. How? How? Why, why, why are they favored by a field goal and a half point based on what I saw Georgia do to
3: them? Uh, what you saw Georgia do to Oregon, but then also, I mean, think of how well BYU played. You know, I know it was at home, but they played a heck of a game against a Baylor team that I thought would predicted to win the Big 12. Now, maybe Texas is better than we thought. Maybe Oklahoma makes a run, but I think this Baylor squad is pretty stinking good, and I think Dave Aranda is a really good coach. Plus, you have to still take into account. That BYU is still beat up at the receiver position, so maybe that's what they're looking at. I'm going to tell you this: you know, as, as you're looking and try to make make and understand lines and spreads, people in Vegas had the over/under for the Iowa Iowa State game at 41 and a half points. That thing didn't crack 20. Anybody that took the over right there was as foolish as you were going to find. So there are spreads in college football that do not make sense. It's not quite as good as the NFL when it comes to making lines.
1: What might you have expected out of Texas if Ewers didn't get hurt in the game against Alabama? And how much of a downer now for Texas? What would you have expected if he wasn't out now with the with the shoulder?
3: Well, you know, I, I, the one thing about Quinn Ewers, he should just be a freshman now as far as, age goes. And, you know, I talked about this with uh, Jacob Pesto on XM last week. Uh, you know, my concern with him, I, he can spin the ball fine. How well he reads defenses, we would figure that out. But he's not a big guy. Like, and he's only truly, like, would be a true freshman now if he wouldn't have reclassified. So I was worried about him getting banged up if he takes shots. And so I thought probably at some point this year, he may miss time just due to the fact that he's, you know, not a very physically mature kid. You know, Card came in, played well. I think this Texas team with I stark! I was wrong about it. I, I did not think that, that game would be close. I think Texas is a lot better than what we think. They're a lot tougher, guys. I mean, you watch that game. It, that is a different Texas team on on the lines that we've seen on the defensive side of the football that we've seen. They have an attitude. They've got a little mentality. Now, albeit it was a whole. it was hot. it was it was a pretty good environment. But Baylor's used to that. They get big shots from people in the SEC all the time, so it shouldn't have been different for them. And so, I, I think Texas. You know what? I think that they might be a 9-10 win team this year. You know, and that's with the loss to Alabama. So I, I'm very high on them coming off of that. They just have to be careful now, you know, not to have that let down like Notre Dame did. You pour so much into a game emotionally to try to win it. You know, feel like you have a good shot, you end up losing it. And it's gonna be tough that next week to kind of bounce back and ultimately respond. So that can be, you know, a little bit of the difficulty. And then I too I think as well, guys. I mean, not the Bama's bad. But I do think that there are some issues there that they have to find a way to get resolved that are kind of uncharacteristic of a Nick Saban coach team.
0: Yeah, very undisciplined last year and now in this game also. Bobby Carpenter on with us talking some college football and outkick 360. Bobby, I can't think of a game with two coaches going head-to-head where each coach seemingly is under a ton of pressure. Penn State at Auburn this weekend. Penn State, a road favorite in this game, a slight favorite. We know everything... (laughs) That's going on with Brian Harson at Auburn. Penn State, though, with a couple of disappointing seasons back to back, what do you think about this matchup for James Franklin in this
3: game? This is big for James Franklin. It's big for Harson. As you mentioned, Harson he survived a coup, but I don't think anybody's feeling really good about him coming into this season. Um, with where they're going to be. And, you know, I talked, like I said, Jacob Hester a lot. He's just tied in with the SECs you're going to find. And he's he's not overly high on Auburn and what they potentially can bring to the table this year. Penn State, like, they have some talent, and I don't think this is the Penn State teams of three and four years ago, especially up front. They've got to get their offensive line going, and they've got to look good. It helped them, I think, immensely to get that opening win against Purdue. It gave them a lot of confidence, gave them a nice road win, so you should feel good about everything. I would say is I think Harson's under more stress because, you know, he, he did survive a firing, but believe me, those people that still wanted him out there, or fired are still out there. They're still working. James Franklin, while you may want him fired, I mean, he's getting paid a heck of a lot of money for a long time. So to make him go away, it's going to be very expensive. They've got Drew Aller, who's a you know their young quarterback. that They're starting to rotate in a little bit with Clifford. I, I watched him last year. He's a Cleveland kid. I think that people will love the fact that he can be the future. As Penn State, they just got to get the offensive line going because that's kind of been their area of weakness over the last couple of years. If they can get that going, I think that they should be able to get a win. And and honestly, any time you can get a road win against a Power 5 team that's historically pretty good in a pretty rough environment, like you've got to be able to take that. So this is going to be a big game for both of those coaches. But I think it's more critical in the immediate term for Brian Harsin to be able to come away with the win and maybe get some momentum down in Auburn, Alabama.
2: Bobby, I don't know how much you've seen of Miami. I admittedly have not to this point. Uh, But I will this weekend when they travel to to College Station to take on A&M. And what's a big stretch for A&M, but from Miami's standpoint, uh, from what you've seen or observed or heard, how good is Van Dyke at quarterback, and is this the true litmus test this weekend?
3: Uh, Unfortunately, guys, I haven't seen a lot of Miami as well. Either There's been so many great games. They haven't really had anything that's kind of pulled your eyes in when you're having you know, last week Notre Dame Marshall a game that you didn't think was going to be good. A and M,
2: I'm with you. Um, yeah,
3: you know, that's, that's there's been so many great games, um, and so this I think this will be a great litmus test because you mentioned this is it's in College Station. It'll be interesting to see how A and M bounces back because after you lose a game like that, I mean, you can either shell up and kind of tank it out, or because they've got some issues. And you this is one of the things, guys, with NIL, and that was just talking to some people you know, around, around the program here at Ohio State, like what you hear from different programs and you, know, you, you start paying a lot of young players to come in. I mean, they work hard. Is there going to be friction with the older players? Like, who do you ultimately have to play? And so I think that there's a little bit of that, you know, maybe roaming around Jimbo Fisher's talking about potentially relinquishing tight calling duties. Maybe you go to another quarterback. And so this is going to be a big test for A&M. And I think this will be even a bigger test, you know, ultimately for Miami because you have to go on the road and find a way to take care of, you know, a really quality opponent in what should be a hostile environment. This is, I mean, this wasn't supposed, like last week wasn't supposed to be a big game. It ended up being that. But this week, I mean, this was supposed to be the one. And so, you know, they went from six to 24. You beat Miami soundly, you can jump back into the top 15. I mean, we've watched this massive movement occur. And then it might just look like last week was an aberration and not something that, you know, is a trend that could be concerning.
1: Let's flip to the NFL for a second. Joe Burrow, very tough start for the Bengals, who should have come away with a win despite all the turnovers. Um, What did you think of what you saw from him, and uh, how does he steer the car back into the lane?
3: Well, you know, he didn't play all that bad. You know, you sit there and watch the game. I know we had a lot of turnovers. I think he was sacked six or seven times. That's the thing that's more concerning to me. For a Cincinnati Bengals team, that invested as heavily as they did in their offensive line to protect an asset that we all believe is pretty stinking good. And then you go out there in week one, albeit against the Steelers, and Steelers, their strength, they've got Cam Hayward, they've got T.J. Watt coming off the edge. Who, you know, we'll see how healthy he is if he's able to come back from that pack. I know they're saying four to six or whatever, but you know, he had, a, I believe, a couple of sacks in that game. And so that's what I'm more concerned with. Because when Joe had time, he still looked good for the most part. You know, Obviously, there was the interceptions there. But if I'm a Bengals fan, I'm honestly taking comfort the fact that you didn't play well. And frankly, you should have won the football game. And so when you can play that bad and still have a shot to win it, like that should be encouraging that you know you're not playing above your head to get wins. You can still have a bad game and find a way to win against a team that historically has been pretty good. Like that that's reassuring. But they have to get that offensive line fixed moving forward.
2: Bobby Carpenter has been our guest. Next week we will have some Major college football matchups to preview with you. Um uh major conditioning and workout going on in the background of, of Bobby's uh, practice <laughs> facility here. Uh you go back and like check out your old locker or anything while you're there?
3: Uh, no, I mean I've redone the locker so many times. I know mean, that, that's that's uh have I mean, twenty years ago, fifteen years ago now. So I yeah, but you know through try to you know where you would be. Oh, yeah, I know where I'd be. But, I mean, listen, that's, here's the thing, man. Time stands still for no one. Bill Parcells always <laughs> said, you know, it's the, carousel, it's the carousel, man. You get on, it spins you around a couple times, it spits you off, and it's time for other guys now to be able to go out there and do some great stuff.
2: Thanks, as always, for making time for us, and we look forward to next week with you, man. Enjoy the games this weekend.
3: Yep, My pleasure, guys. Thanks. I was there, half expecting Bobby to Bobby tell Carpenter. us, this is
0: actually my personal workout area. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, this is my private gym at home. It's my backyard, my, guys. Yeah, is yeah. connected to my this home. This is not Ohio State's facility. This is my backyard.
1: We make it look a little like Ohio, Ohio State because I have some affection for the place.
2: We've had plenty of um, great backdrops from Bobby recently.
0: Yeah. From the lake to Ohio State. Shirtless Bobby. We've seen shirtless Bobby at the lake.
1: The guy's got a life that uh, gives me some feelings of jealousy.
0: He's always quick to just admit when he's hungover on the show, too. I like yeah, that we, about we should him. should have asked The Kenny Chesney yeah. concert. What, what
1: will you be feeling Monday guys, morning? Guys, I'm really struggling and today. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> uh,
0: Kenny Chesney was last
2: night. Got a little wild. Hit us up on uh, Twitter at Outkick360. Outkick.com is where you can find the NFL Awards Watch. Uh, we could call them I'm Doing uh, for Outkick. And I'm keeping up with all the major awards, giving some accolades, uh, beyond just MVP, which can change and seesaw a bit, but I'll give uh, three examples for each major award based on what's happening during that week.
0: On your third example for MVP this week, Lamar Jackson. Uh, and not because of his legs in this in this first game of the season.
2: Through a
1: couple beauties.
2: Uh, his, his arm. Uh, all three of his touchdown passes were deep, deep passes. They didn't run all that much if you look at their game plan. Because I don't think they trust their run game right now based on the injuries. J.K. Dobbins is coming back. That's going to help that. He did not run that much at all in this game against the Jets. And uh, he's he showing off the arm to multiple receivers. They've got great tight end play there, of course. Uh, I put him in contention, along with Patrick Mahomes, uh, who was outstanding. Five touchdown passes, 370 yards. He threw only nine incompletions on 39 attempts. Uh, this past week against Arizona. But Josh Allen is my MVP favorite. It was prior to the season. He remains there based on what he did and the offense did. He threw two picks, but he also had three touchdown passes and manufactured the the blowout win against LA on on national TV. To me, he sits atop the MVP throne after week one.
1: I think you're on target there. I think keywords regarding Lamar Jackson at this stage after week one were against the Jets.
2: Well, against the Jets, but... Here's why I put him in there. To me, psychologically, when you turn down $133 million guaranteed...
1: You got to come out and show.
2: Yeah. We're seeing that from Judge, right? Yep. Not that he turned down more than that. But my point point being, he would have been second or third in guaranteed money among quarterbacks ever. And he turned it down saying, no, 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 I'm I'm Deshaun Watson level, and here's why. And he, he... some, some people nationally were saying, hey, he should, he should hold out a week one. They could put you on a suspended list for up to four weeks, but after that, they can't find you anymore. And I was like, no, go out here and play and, and show them exactly who you are and that you're back from injury and put everything to, to rest. Which he, is
1: clearly his intent the whole time. No doubt. It's a constructed column to say, don't play today. That yeah. was Florio, and that's when he goes over the top with his personal – narratives for guys that aren't in the realm of reality
2: offensive player of the the year will be determined based on titans fans are going to love the top two entries here it'll be (laughs) it'll be determined based on any skill position because mvp is a quarterback award yep to me if the most valuable player is on offense that dude is offensive player of the year just by definition alone but that's not how we hand off these awards i i went wide receiver number one aj brown for his debut, setting a Philadelphia Eagles debut record, um, 130 yards, roughly, uh, to to begin the game in the first half. I nearly put Justin Jefferson in this category. That would have been mine. Did not um, because of the impact that Brown had on everything that they were doing offensively to set up scores. AJ Brown had big catches on all four of their offensive touchdown drives, which were capped off by runs. I factored that in here. He's just a, a difference maker for them. Uh, Jefferson will continue to climb the ranks too. And, and then I also put Saquon Barkley in. He's back, he's healthy, he's dynamic. And he ran up against a strong run defense from last year and made them look very pedestrian. So I, I thought Barkley showed out and deserved mention
0: there.
1: Yep, he was excellent. He, uh, His rushing yards, over-expected, next-gen put out, were you know r- ridiculous. And that's going to happen when you have I can't keep straight which one was 65 and which one was 68, but he had, w- <laughs> he had both. one of those. <laughs> he had both.
2: Uh, Micah Fitzpatrick uh, leads my defensive category. He was so good. He, he took over. I mean, he had the blocked PAT, which saved the win, but he opened the game with the pick six, and then in between all of that, he had 14 tackles. He led the team in tackles a year ago, did it again this week, and impacted the game in multiple ways. He was all over the field against a very good offense and a good quarterback in Joe Burrow. I include Khalil Mack and Jeffrey Simmons in that too. Simmons is going to go under the radar. He finished with eight and a half sacks a year ago for the Titans. He starts with two to begin the season from the interior. And Khalil Mack had three sacks and like a forced fumble and four or five tackles for loss all over the place. That will be the toughest award, I think, throughout the season to just come up with who's on top of this category because there will be stellar individual performances across the league every week.
1: I like that. I I know you're going to be very mobile with this instead of having the same guy at the top every week. Like a lot of these people who do stuff like this, just kind of uh, leave Josh Allen in stone there and change the numbers from the most recent game.
2: Although Allen may have a chance to stay there for a yeah, while. He, I mean, he, I,
0: this could be at the top of every column could for you this right. week. Well, I, sure. hope, I hope he...
2: Well, each week I'm going to lead with something different. So if Allen is still number one, I'm going to lead with a different category
0: uh, yeah,
2: yeah. next week. Jahan Dotson is uh, Offensive Rookie of the Year for me. Uh, when I say year, week. Let's start this out right. Two touchdown passes or two touchdown so catches. so far the on week three. is the year. So That's he's right.
0: Offensive Rookie
2: of the Year. Three, uh, three catches total, but two of them put up... 12 points on the board, ultimately 14, and he caught the game-winning touchdown with a minute and a half left. Uh, Drake London and Kyle Phillips for the Titans were also extremely impactful. They deserve mention. And then Sauce Gardner for the Jets. Uh, I could have put Rodriguez in this category uh, from the Lions, and uh, I went with Gardner because of the fact that the Ravens didn't throw in his direction that often on purpose, and they didn't attack the rookie. I, I think he's a bona fide... Shut down corner, and has a chance to grow into that. He had a, a he only allowed one catch in the game and two or three passes defensed. Strong showing for the rookie corner. Not a strong showing for the Jets defense. Derek Stingley and George Karlaftis are are both legit as well. And chances are they're going to rise to the defensive category for rookies on my column each week. Posts every Wednesday at noon Eastern, I believe is the time on OutKick. And I'm open to suggestions and ridicule, by the way. Someone, some Detroit fans are already ripping me for not putting Rodriguez. I did see uh, his stat line. He was a big star on Hard Knocks.
0: Um, Malcolm Rodriguez. I,
2: I did not include him uh, based on the fact that I'm probably going to look his way later uh, when Detroit actually has an impactful game and doesn't allow 30-plus points. Cool. That's my thought. Well, um, I've, easiest award of, the, of all of those would be what for you guys? Alan. Allen. Over Mahomes? Uh, that was actually pretty close to me.
0: Uh, Mahomes didn't have a pick. Might be Offensive Rookie of the Year. <laughs> John Dotson right now. Yeah. Based off one week.
1: Uh, Fitzpatrick was pretty pretty good.
0: Yeah. Yeah, Fitzpatrick's also a good one. Um, outkick.com. Go read that right. story weekly with, with uh, Hutton. I've got a fair foul I need to present to you guys to close out the show when we come back.
1: I look forward to it. I know what it is, and I've got strong opinions. Okay. That's
0: next on I'll kick 360
3: Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th
2: That injury report is out. Outkick 360 rolls on across the Outkick network.
0: So if you're new to the show, then you would not know that we have something called fair or foul that we break out from time to time, where an everyday life occurrence happens, and we throw it open to people on Twitter that are listening or watching, uh, any form of social media if you want to chime in on this, and we'll discuss as well. Sometimes it's a bit more even on the voting, though. Yeah, I think the voting is going to be pretty solid. On this one, one, one way. Yeah, so, we have, a, we have a member of our staff here named Matt. Some call him Maddie, some call him Maddie Ice. So <laughs> no one calls I, him Maddie. I, we call ice. him Maddie Ice. There are a lot of people who call him Maddie Ice. So, I, I go to the bathroom during a break and I'm exiting the bathroom and I, in walks Maddie Ice going to the restroom here at our studio that's Six and Peabody with, speaking of Maddie Ice, a cup full of ice and lemonade. <laughs> Into the bathroom, sets the cup on this, whatever, some sort of-
1: Lidless cup, from what I'm seeing now. Lidless cup.
0: It's right there. He's just showed it to us. Sets it down. Now, he doesn't take it to the urinal with him, but he sets it up (laughs) on next to the paper towel area.
1: There's Where, no paper towel.
0: There's no paper towels there now, but typically there is like a roll of paper towels on top of yeah, this. Yeah, there's like a little shelf. Little shelf, thank you. Where the guy hands out like his
1: peppermint On Friday. Gum. Yeah, on Fridays when the bathroom attendant the t- it's
0: his station. No.
1: <laughs> this bathroom attendant who's been known to eat nachos in Yes.
0: There. He he sits the drink down and then goes and well. does his business. And I'm walking out, and it was just very peculiar because he leaves the studio. Now, I don't know. He may have gone to the drink machine next to that and then come stopped in the bathroom on the way back through, but either way. Would you not go to the bathroom first, then go get your drink,
2: and then come back to the studio?
1: he He didn't think this through. No. We've all faced a situation where you want to make a trip where you both hit the bathroom and the drink area. This is not the way you do it. This is as foul as you get. And I mean foul by every sense of the word. The bathroom's not having a good day. It does not smell good in there. But even on the best of bathroom days, you do not take your drink or with you food. to the bathroom. food or drink food should not go or in the beverage. bathroom anything that you're ingesting does not go into the bathroom unless you're a coke habit. however however
0: <laughs> the, the the fact that's the only time it's acceptable
2: this yes. is where he is uh getting a, a very small benefit because every Friday and on the weekends they do have the bathroom <laughs> <the> attendant <buffet. laughs> with he's got a suitcase full of if you need a lozenge or if you need it's you a, if you want a cinnamon dish they're
0: wrapped but I mean, you're, you're also, it's meant to take on outside. It's not a beverage. There's no um, soda machine in Outside there. the bathroom. Well, okay.
2: There's no it, soda it, fountain. It's, it's foul. There. People are grabbing that and, and walking out it, of the it's, restroom it's for the foul. first time with it in their hands. So. That, too,
0: is foul. Let me also bring this point <laughs> up. Maddie has missed some time with sickness, okay? So he's had, sort of like the Lamar Jackson kept yeah. getting bugs and missing time, this right? This a right. sure it's way, a way to get another avoid bug. A bug. Like I feel like. Matt's got some immune system issues going on as well. <laughs> Maybe don't take open container drinks it. into the bathroom and then you'll stay healthier. He's this is this like, could be part of that as well. This is like hey.
1: when a child has a chicken pox and you bring all the children to get the chicken pox from that yeah. child. I, he's saying, I'm going to go drink. A fountain drink that I've taken it's into some, the urinal. You take your child to daycare and then lick their head area when they're son. done.
2: Sometimes you build up a tolerance, though. I think that's. what he's working, on. You know, growing up on a farm, you see and consume uh, many things, and sometimes uh, it's one of those deals where you're just like, you know what, you're you're better off for it, son. You're gonna you're gonna uh, you're, you're gonna withstand this virus
0: now. Well, we okay. work in a Petri dish and now, yeah, here, yeah, and now he's. And, and he's literally drinking out of a Petri dish. Yeah. Now
1: get hey, that away from me. Pour that that's out. That's what's happening in our studio. There's a, right a door now. behind him. He could pour it out. It looks, like,
2: um, it looks like one of those. Um, what are the chilled blue alcoholic drinks on
0: Broadway? A red shot or whatever? It looks like. That's what uh, it looks like. Uh, it looks like an Alka Cell. Like he took water and put an Alka Cell to it. Now him.
1: I feel like it looks like urine. Now that all these have it's been blue. planted in my head, I mean,
2: uh, is it blue? Yeah, Hold he it up again. Just held it up earlier. It looks
1: like lemonade. Oh, that's the lighting.
0: Oh, the light
2: makes yeah, it blue. It's, it's just a
1: lemonade. Yeah. And I'll tell you that it lemonade. Saw, it
0: looked a lot more like lemonade in the bathroom. <laughs> I take yeah. that as, I
1: as, the dispenser when I first says. It next
0: to the urinal, it as looks the like dispenser
1: lemonade. says, and I've pointed out in the past, there is no juice in that lemonade. It says it very clearly on the thing. Zero percent juice.
0: All from concentrate.
1: I don't know what it's from, but I know there's actually no juice. In we it. got a
0: lot of people chiming in. Did he think that he wouldn't be able to make it back in time? Maybe it was a time well, issue. Well, here's what
1: I do occasionally. I'll put it on the bar. I'll put my glass on the bar. I'll say, Hey, could you watch this for a second for me? I'll be right back. If you have to make two two things in one trip. Said Mate Paul I says maybe
0: a- he got a drink and then realized he had to use the restroom and suddenly looked up and realized he may have time to do oh, both. I've, I've got a
2: on the walk back. I need to show What's you my system? hiding spot, Matt. I've got a little hiding yeah, you tuck spot. Tuck it
1: away somewhere. Yeah, yeah. you I could mean, tuck look, it on a shelf with shirts. The three we have free reign in this building. Yeah, it's our place. It's our well, I home.
0: Would, I would have pitched the drink if I had to use the bathroom that bad
1: and, and just then gone back one. and got no, another free. One. There's
2: this little moonshine uh, counter out here, you just Hunt, move. Show you. I'll show you the hiding spot. I'll show him, all of you Matt. the hiding spot. Field
0: trip, When the show ends, we're gonna go find
1: the hiding Phil spot. On, Join us tomorrow. Hiding spot. will do Here we go. Right Trey around.
2: Wallace, Armando Salgero, and Billy Lucci yeah. of joins us on Outkick It says it
1: right here. Please obey it. Do not block the box, but lock your locks.